2: Welcome, sports fans! This is Wagering Week! I'm Tom Barton, and that's right, we are Wagering Week! Who else is pumped up? Oh my goodness, I am so excited! We're talking real sports. We got it going on. This is the NFL draft preview version of Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter get in touch with us. It is Sports Garden G-A-R-T-E-N. 855 the number four. G-A-R-T-E-N. iTunes, iHeartRadio. You could go right to sportsgarden.com. Go to our SoundCloud, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. We are everywhere. And I am ecstatic today. I love the fact that we don't have to say the word coronavirus. I love the fact that we don't have to say shut down lockdown today. No, we're talking sports sports and pure sports. And oh, by the way, we're going to make you a little bit of money if you're listening today as well. So we have a lot to talk about. We're going to have Josh Boudin on later on in the show. Former LSU quarterback. Oh yeah, there's a connection to Joe Barrow there. Former Nick Saban protege. Oh, by the way, there's a little connection to Tua there. Also, NFL quarterback, Major League Baseball. He did a lot of stuff. We're going to talk to him. What about Chris Ciappone as well, draft analyst. He uh, does a show with Tony Pauline. You heard Tony Pauline's take last week. Now Chris, who's on the opposite side of stuff. It'll be interesting to get his take. Lots of rumors floating around. We're going to dig through them. So we're not going to wait. We're going to jump right in. And the first thing I want to do to set all this up is very simple, guys. We have to talk about context before I go into numbers and, and give you odds and all that. I want to talk about context because context in sports matters massively, massively. I often make statements about guys that get ripped apart. Right, People go, "Ah, I don't like this, I don't like that. But a lot of it is taken out of context. And let me explain. A couple of years ago, when I was on the air, I made a comment about Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota going 1-2 in the draft. And I said, I think they'll both be... Five-year starters, maybe 10-year starters. I don't see either one of them ever getting into an MVP conversation. I don't see either one of them ever sniffing a Super Bowl. And I'll go as far as to say neither one of them win a playoff game. Now, that was not a negative. A lot of guys are in that middle bracket in the league. And look, this is where we are last year um, when we did Baker Mayfield, or two years ago when we did Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold they all have that feel. This is not necessarily a negative. Understand it's team concept. It's context. Where does this guy fit in the context of what are we talking about? And it's all out there for the context to be discussed. So we have to understand when I make a comment on a betting angle, or on my just my prediction about somebody, it's in a context way couple of weeks ago, I came out and I said, well, that guy can have a career like Andy Dalton. And I got some people wrote us over at Sports and said, that's an insult. Is it? Andy Dalton's a you know, decade-long starter, basically, right? Andy Dalton's a guy that's been to the playoffs. Andy Dalton's one division championships. I mean, Andy Dalton is a guy that has success in this league. So this is a quarterback-driven draft, and we understand that. I think that there are tiers to quarterbacks, and I break it down every year. Every year before the, the season begins, I break it down into three tiers in the quarterbacks. You have upper echelon tier one, right? There's 30 teams. You got tiers one, two, and three. Upper echelon, the top 10 guys. These are franchise quarterbacks. They are quarterbacks that can win you a Super Bowl. They are no doubt, short thing, most of them are superstars. I would say eight to 12 players a year, uh, quarterbacks a year, are superstars. That is your top 10. It's a very lofty place to get to. Jimmy Garoppolo was not a top 10 guy went to the Super Bowl last year. Jared Goff, not a top 10 guy, went to the Super Bowl a year before that. So you could go to the Super Bowl and not be a top 10 guy. You then have that middle range. That middle range has guys maybe a little over the hill, maybe a little young, uh, maybe a little limited, but they're, they're starters. They are secure in their job. They are that guy, right? I would put guys like Dak Prescott in that group. I think Dak is hovering on that top 10, but he's not quite there, right? I think that that is the type of player that you have in that group in that middle grouping. Then you have the bottom 10. And the bottom 10 isn't even necessarily a negative. The bottom 10, Ryan Fitzpatrick is in the bottom 10, and I like him. I'm a big fan of him. But it's a guy that he's a placeholder. Maybe he's a little bit old. Maybe he's a little bit young. Uh, Maybe he's a guy that just hasn't proven it fully. Look, Gardner Minshew is in that bottom 10, right? So this is where I put these players. So for me, where I look at the quarterbacks in the draft It's not flat where I say, okay, this guy is this and he's going to be that. A lot of it depends on where they're going to get drafted. A lot of them depends. What is their offense? Who is their offensive coordinator? Will they get the year to sit? I will tell you this right now, and I'm going to have everybody going crazy about this. Patrick Mahomes would not have been this good, specifically this fast, if he didn't go to Andy Reid and sit down for a year. He went to Kansas City with all those weapons, with that ridiculous coaching staff, and he sat down for a year. You hear everybody go, oh, if the Bears drafted him. Yeah, look, I would have loved the Bears to draft him, and I think he would have been very good. Would he have been an MVP and win a Super Bowl in the first two years in the league? Starting? No. No, he wouldn't have, because he didn't have Andy Reid. He didn't have those weapons. So a lot of this is going to be where are they, and where do they land? Joe Burrow is going number one. Okay, I am a little torn about Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow has the upside to be a very good quarterback. I have said about Joe Burrow. He is a 5 to 10 year starter. I think he is never in the MVP conversation, but I think he can win he can win a couple of playoff games. I don't ever see him as a Super Bowl guy. Again, this is not a knock to where I think Burrow is. Justin Herbert. Herbert is a guy, again, uh, the guy that I made the mention to was was Herbert. I think he could have an Andy Dalton-type career. You know, success, starter, but limited. Jordan Love, I don't see it, guys. I don't see Jordan Love. I don't want to say the word bust because I don't know where he's being drafted, but if you draft him in the first round, I think he's a bust. I don't think his athleticism translates to the next level unless he falls to the perfect team. The perfect team is maybe Saints or Green Bay. He would have to fall there. You go a little bit further. Jake Fromm, Jalen Hurts, to me, they're solid backups. They're Chase Daniels, right? They're solid backups. If you had to throw them in there uh, to start a game, you feel okay with it. Uh, Jacob Eason is a guy that I look at, and I look at Jacob Eason, and I go, ah, there's a lot of potential there. Big arm. He's going to need the right situation. He could potentially be a, a Derek Carr type of player. I think that's a pretty good comp. Moving down the list, I'm an Anthony Gordon guy, and I like Stanley. I think both of them in the right spot. Could be a Ryan Tannehill type where they flourish later on in their career. Now, Tannehill played. I think that these guys have to sit, uh, but that's the type that he could be. And then the last guy is, is the name I clearly skipped over, which is Tua. He's the name everybody wants to talk about. And you have the injuries, and you have the idea that he played with superior line, and you have the idea he played with superior wide receivers and superior coaching. I get all that. I think Tua has immense upside. Now, I'm not talking Andrew Locke, Trevor Lawrence type of hype that I've thrown on these guys, but I think he's got immense upset. He's got upside that you have to take the chance if you're the Miami Dolphins. You have to. He's got upside that you've just got to go after him. I think Tua is a player that very well can be Robert Griffin, who I didn't love Griffin when he came out. And what I mean Robert Griffin is that first year, I think Tua is going to have a year or two like Griffin, where it is ridiculous. He might win a playoff game or two for you, but he's also going to have the years where the injuries do come into play. Or his ineffectiveness comes into play. Maybe he sits down a year. So I propose this to you, Miami, if you are looking at Tua. Would you give three healthy years, two of them making the playoffs, and two injury seasons for Tua? I think you say yes. Now, if you're a team like the Chargers, maybe not. But I think Tua is the best quarterback in this class. That doesn't mean that I think he's going to have the best career of this class. All right, guys. We're going to take a quick timeout. we got lots more to talk about. We're going to go into some specific bets that we're going to make. And my best bet of the draft is coming up in just a minute. We'll be back right after this on Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get the gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. Right. What are the odds? All right, guys, what are the odds? Well, I told you I'm going to come back, and I'm coming back with some stuff to make your wallet a little fatter. And, yeah, we have it here. Justin Herbert's draft position is 6 over minus 120, under minus 120. You're paying a little bit of premium to play these prop bets. They're getting bombarded in Las Vegas with these prop bets, and I love it. I love Justin Herbert under The six, he's going to be drafted in the first six quarterbacks, okay? I'm hearing a lot of rumors that people are trying to trade it up to number three to go get Justin Herbert. While I don't know if that happens, I don't think he gets past Miami at five if Tua is taken before that. And if Tua doesn't, if Tua falls to five— Herbert's not getting past the charges at six. There is very little doubt in my mind that you have at least a push here. Now, for those folks out there, there is a five and a half on the board for Justin Herbert. And that is a position I do not like. This is one of those spots where I'm betting on the push. I'm betting on the push to back me up. Do I think a push is going to happen? No, I think he gets drafted in the top five picks. But at worst... I'm looking at a push. I don't see this as a situation where I'm going to be worried about a seven or later. I'm looking at it as, as a situation where it's going to be six or under. So that is the odds for Justin Herbert, and I absolutely love it. All right, let's go talk about some more betting odds, and we got some good ones. Uh, let's, let's talk about quarterbacks drafted in the first round. We've talked about it many, many times. I already gave this to you guys. I still believe that there is at least four, and maybe a fifth will sneak in. There is another prop bet out there, though. Quarterbacks drafted in the first five picks, the over-under two two and a half. The over is plus 240, under is minus 300. I kind of like it. I think you got to take the plus 240 here. We know that two is going in the first five picks and we're pretty uh, guaranteed that Burrow is going in the first five picks. He's going number 1. So you need Justin Herbert to squeak into the first five picks. Well, why not take a shot with it? Back this up with the bet that I just gave you and you got a double bet on one game one pays off that big. I love it. Here's another one player to be drafted first justin herbert or jordan love justin herbert's minus 200 love is plus 165 i'll lay the two to one jordan love's not going the first five picks guys he, he's not he's not going the first six picks so i'm all over the justin herbert prop bets that nobody seems to like this guy i think he's got a chance to go number three overall so justin herbert minus 200 i know you're laying a lot but he's getting drafted before Jordan Love. How about we move away from the quarterbacks, right? Will a running back be drafted in the first round? Yes, minus 400, no, plus 310. Yeah, This is a good running back draft. Swift and uh, Taylor and and Hopkins. I mean, you have have a lot of good premium running backs. Sometimes that's a negative, though. If you have a glut of big-time running backs, a team might say, well, there's not much of a difference between Swift and... And Dobbins and Taylor, um, so I might wait, right? Cam Akers is down there, right? So I might wait. And if you're in a position to grab a running back, you may wait. No plus 310 is enticing, but I think I'm staying away from that one. But it's enticing. How about SEC players versus all other conferences? SEC by a half, that's an even money bet. SEC is going to be very front-loaded against all other conferences. That means 50. SEC players are being taken. I mean, let's just run down the list. We know quite a few of them. We know Burrow. We know 2. We know Thomas. We know, uh, you know, Jardy. We know quite a few. But against everyone else, for the even money, I'll take the field there. Alabama players in the first round over under five and a half. The over is plus 115, under is 145. I'm not touching this one. I think it's right there. It's five, maybe six. Five, maybe six. I don't love that. This is a very deep and very good wide receiver draft. Wide receivers drafted in the first round over under 6.5. Over 145. I think there's a possibility that we get 7. I do. I think there 7 is very possible, but I have to believe that some slipped to the second round. Minus 175, not a number I like. I see 6 wide receivers, maybe 5 going in the first, and some of them going very early. If this was inside the top 35 picks, 40 picks, you know— It would be better, but in the first round, I don't see it happening. Wide receivers drafted inside the top 10, yes or no? Yes, plus 190, no, minus 240. Here's the interesting thing. I don't have—I've done quite a few drafts. I have back-to-back receivers going to the Jets and the Raiders, and they are outside the top 10. And I have them as the first receivers. I think the no is the money here, except I don't know if I want to lay minus 240 right? That's a tough one. How about specific guys? Now, we've talked about Eason, we talked about Hertz and Fromm, who were added. We did all that last week. Here's some specific players here. Minnesota safety, Antoine Winfield, over under 49 and a half. It's a good bet. It's a good number, I should say. It's a bad bet. It's a good number. Ohio State running back, J.K. Dobbins, at 55 and a half. I'm going under there. I'm leaning the under there, I should say. USC wideout Michael Pittman Jr., 63 and a half. Well, if you love the wide receivers, 62 and a half, not a bad spot. I'm going to stay away from there. Florida State, tailback Cam Akers at 74. Man, I think Akers has got all sorts of ability, but I don't know how many scouts agree with me there. I'll slightly take the under, but I'm going very light there. And then LSU tight end, Thaddeus Moss, 91 and a half. People love the tight end position. The closer their draft comes, you start to see it more and more. Uh, and you go there, and you go. You gotta. You almost have to take the under. How about up against one against one? Tua opened at minus one fifty to be drafted against Herbert. Herbert is minus one thirty. Uh, I'm not touching that. I think Tua should be drafted earlier. I think he will be drafted earlier. But it wouldn't shock me to see somebody move into the top five and try to steal one. CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, minus 110. They are both head-to-head. And it depends on what the Jets do. Because the Jets might be looking at offensive linemen. The Jets might be looking at a, at a wide receiver. I think Lamb fits their profile better. I think the Raiders are set on Judy. So this is a minus 110 for a reason. I'm staying away. Jeff Okuda is a 120 favorite over Isaiah Simmons. I think, I think this is you got to go all day. I don't think people love Simmons as much as the idea of Simmons. Grant Delpit minus seven hundred against uh, Whitfield Jr. And Delpit's going first, but I'm not laying minus seven hundred against anybody. DeAndre Swift minus one twenty against Jonathan Taylor. Swift's going first. I don't know if he should go first, and I'm a kind of in the camp of Jonathan Taylor is probably the better running back. Yeah, I, I believe it. I- I'm watching film and I see what Jonathan Taylor could do, but I think Swift goes first. I kind of like that one. T Higgins. Minus 110. Jalen Rieger, minus 110. Eh, It's not something I love. It's not something I love. I guess Higgins is the guy there uh, to take, but I'm not touching it. Jalen Hurts, minus 150 over Jake Fromm. Again, it's a coin flip. I think Hurts goes, but I'm not paying 150 for it. I'm not going to go near that. So there are some guys out there. There are some positions that you want to take a shot at. and This is always always fun to find those shots find those guys and say okay here's what we're doing here's another interesting one the Browns to draft a defensive player with the first pick this has been moving all day it's gone from uh almost five to one down to minus two and a half to one plus well plus 250 that happened today that means the Browns are really looking at a defensive player I have them mocked to a defensive player so for me this is uh something I got on early and i think it's it's something that you look for first wide receiver drafted i still think Jurdy could be the guy quarterbacks in the first round i told you guys i already gave that to you quarterbacks in the first five picks these are all bets i like and and i really like the justin herbert under the six that is a number that i am really leaning towards i'm really in, enjoying the value i'm getting back at that as well i just don't think he goes to seven that's my best bet where we stand. That is my best bet uh so far of the entire draft. Where we sit, Justin Herbert under the 6 pick is my pick. And I'm going to load up on Justin Herbert in quite a few spots. All right guys, we're going to take a quick timeout. We'll be right back right after this.
0: We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, Bet to the, to the future. future.
2: Bet to the future. Oh, that is right. We're betting to the future now. And Jordan Love draft position. Jordan Love over under 15. You're getting about 110 back if you like the Over, you're getting minus 140 if you like. The under people are all kinds of healing for Jordan Love. He has been going crazy. There are people that have him going to Miami at 5. I've seen the Chargers at 6. I've watched the Jets trading out. I've watched the Raiders trading out. I've seen him going 10-12. I just don't see it, guys. I have never for lack of a better expression, been in love with Love. I just haven't. I think he is a really interesting player for the Saints, the Packers, somebody like that, maybe the Steelers, but I don't see him being the guy here. It's not something I'm going with, guys. I am not a fan of Love, and I don't think that he's going to be drafted in the top 15. So it's something plus money that you could make a little bit of money on. All right, guys, let's talk a little bit about some rumors here, right? Let's talk a little bit about some rumors, what we're talking about. Well, a lot of coaches are saying they don't expect that there will be a lot of trades. There was a glitch in the first round when they did the practice, but it's practice. Okay, no big deal. Let's talk about some of the trades that may be taking place, though. Maybe not in the draft, but Tevin Coleman is getting out there. He's being dangled. And this makes sense. Uh, Sports Illustrated Albert Breer has reported that it makes sense. Look, they have Matt Breida, they have Mostert, they have McKinnon, and now they have Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman makes a lot of money, though, guys. $4.8 million in salary and bonuses. He's entering the final year. He's going to be a hard guy to trade, but of course, they definitely want to trade him. How about the Falcons? Falcons are the team I keep hearing are going to be on the big move. Chris Mortensen reported that the Falcons are expected to try to get into that top five. Guys, they want desperately a starting cornerback, and they must be in love with one of them if they're talking about that. Ian Rappaport reported that they are sitting at 16. If they don't get into the top five, they want to trade into the top 10. They're looking at Okuda and C.J. Henderson. The thing is is that, yeah, Henderson won't be there at 16, and neither will Okuda, but both of them might be there at like 11 or 12. I don't think You got to jump into the top five if you're the Falcons here. I just don't think that that's something that you need to do. You don't have to drop into the top five. So the Falcons are trying to make some moves. I don't see them as a player away, but they apparently see themselves as a player away. Uh, Getting back to the Niners, by the way, Niners have said both of their picks are up for grabs. That's number 13, number 31. Falcons trading with the Niners. Falcons move up to 13, maybe get Henderson. That makes a lot of sense there. That is one of those trade rumors that you hear the rumor and you go, "Make that makes a little bit of sense. Because when you put it all in totality, the 13th pick should be available. 13th pick is a pick that makes a lot of sense to be available uh, for the Niners. They could move back. And they don't even need to move back to 16. The Falcons can very conceivably give them you know, next year's first and a second to move up to 13, and the Falcons get 13 and 16. The Falcons play their their cards right, and things fall the right way. They could get a guy like Simmons and Henderson. I mean, they really could. It makes a lot of sense. The Browns are also active. Peter King is reporting. They are looking to trade down. They sit at the number 10 spot. Hello, Falcons. You can move up to 10. Right? So they're sitting at the number 10. Uh, they want to trade down for more picks. It makes a lot of sense, although we are looking at the numbers and we're looking at the betting board. What we're seeing on the numbers and what we're seeing on the betting board is that the Browns are looking at the defense and they think they do take a defensive guy. Well, that's okay. That's a little interesting. Akuda, Henderson, of course, are the guys, but don't count out a guy like Simmons. So those are some of the rumors that are going on. Now let's go to the ridiculous. The ridiculous. Ian Rappaport is reporting that the Giants have spent a lot of time researching Justin Herbert. They've FaceTimed conversations with Joe Judge. They've had conversations. What? What? Gary Myers also discussed this. Gary Myers is a friend of a show here. Uh, he said it's a smokescreen. No one's buying in. Basically, what the hell are they doing? Joe Judge made it a point to come out and say, I don't even care if a guy is pro-ready. I just take best player available. No, you don't. Not if you got Danny Dimes there and what you did. No way. Peter King is reporting that the Giants will trade down for a good offer. They want to trade down. Now, Gettleman doesn't trade down. It's not in his style to do it, but they want to trade down. Is this really, is anybody buying into the Giants maybe taking Justin Herbert? Come on, get out of here. Tony Pauline. We had him on last week with us. He is reporting that Dolphins owner Stephen Ross is talking as though Justin Herbert is not in the team's plans for number five overall. Again, this could be a lot of smokescreen, but Tony Pauline said basically it's Tua or a non-quarterback or maybe trade down. Miami's got a lot of draft capital. Miami wants the number one pick because they want their guy, and I think that no matter how much the Dolphins tell us, maybe it's not, maybe it is, maybe it is, the Dolphins guy all along, the Dolphins guy for over a year has consistently been Tua. And I think it is just, no matter what, it's Tua, right? I mean, it just is Tua. There's no way around this. There's no way getting in and out of this. I'm sorry. It's just the way that it, 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 it is. Tua is going to be Miami's guy. I don't think they have to trade down for him or trade up for him, I'm sorry. The only way they lose out on two is if somebody drops into that number three spot, takes him for Detroit, and then Miami's sitting there at five. And if Miami is sitting there at five and they really don't want Justin Herbert, they very well could move down and get a guy like Jordan Love later on. Move down just a couple of slots. They might be able to pull a Niners on the Bears and move down one spot, let the Chargers take Herbert. So I have year after year blown up the idea that there's going to be a lot of draft a lot of trades during the draft. This is one of those years where I think there could be a lot of movement, but I wonder how much the corona problem, we'll call it, and the technology issue will come into play here. I'm not sure that it's going to be run as smoothly as they want and i'm not sure that trades are going to happen as smoothly as they could because of the technology issues there's a lot of teams i certainly expect the falcons to move up i absolutely expect the patriots to move up i expect the dolphins to be, be big players over the course of the weekend maybe not just uh, for thursday but because they have a lot of draft capital so watch all that that's my opinion Right? That's Tom Barton's opinion. We're going to talk to Chris Chipotle and Josh Booty. We're going to talk to them about all of the things that I just went over. Let's get their opinion. Josh has a unique take. Chris is a draft analyst. We're going to talk to them and get their opinion right after this.
0: And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton.
2: All right, guys, I'm sitting in with Josh Booty, former NFL player, former Major League Baseball player, friend of the show here. He also does a show, Believe Podcast Network, Maverick Sports, One Huddle. That's all on his Twitter. But what an interesting take with Josh Booty this year because he's a former SEC quarterback, former LSU quarterback, and maybe a little Joe Burrow uh, connection there. Oh, by the way, maybe a little Tua connection as well because he also was under Nick Saban as a quarterback as well. So, Josh, welcome to the show. You have a unique perspective. On this year's draft.
1: (laughs) Thank you, man. Yeah. I do I've getting a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities of course and it's been fun this whole football season last year was fun of course with LSU and Joe Burrow being uh, you know the proposed number 1 pick I think that that's what'll happen tomorrow and it's going to be fun to watch all that go down but I agree Tua is a great player as well there's a lot of great quarterbacks in this draft and a lot of needs out there for teams you know at that position
2: Yeah and let's let's stick with that position Josh you're my go-to guy when it comes to quarterbacks especially SEC quarterbacks so let's talk Joe Burrow. I have heard um, on one side of the coin somebody that we had on, a draft analyst last week said, you know, I'm a little hesitant about Joe Burrow being a superstar in the league not only because he's only going to Cincinnati uh, or likely to go to Cincinnati but also because he only did it for one year in college. Then you have the people that are saying, hey look, go out there and find me somebody else at the position who's ever
1: had a better collegiate year. Where do you stand on Joe Burrow? (laughs) Yeah, you're right on both fronts. I mean, he was a guy that backed up, uh, you know, a first rounder in Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State was a three year guy there under Urban Meyer and recruited under Urban Meyer great teams there, of course, uh, there with the Buckeyes and decided to transfer to LSU two seasons ago won the job and in, in about two weeks when he showed up on campus we did not have a quarterback ready uh, to play at the time that he showed up and thank God he did because he had a good junior year, but it was not near as, it was about a half as good as it was his senior year. We had 16 guys go to the Combine this year, and all those kids were upperclassmen, and they really helped him you know, develop into who he needed to be. Also, we had a guy named Joe Brady who was a passing game coordinator for LSU who had worked with the Saints a year before, came on campus last year as a, a coach. Now he's the offensive of coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, but he was there uh, for one year, a whole off season, and him and Burrow really gelled with all the talent that, that they had around him and place. great receivers. And we had four linemen coming back last year on the offensive line, which were huge, which was huge for Joe uh, to say the least. And, and, you know, we just had an overall wonderful team effort and the stats that Burrow put up were just phenomenal. No one's ever thrown for 60 touchdowns in a single season. He did that. No one's ever thrown for over six seventy six 76% completion percentage. And he, he did that. So, elite efficiency from Joe Burrow last year.
2: Yeah, and everything seemed to fall right for Burrow. The one thing that everybody kind of is just jumping on is Cincinnati. Cincinnati. But here's my argument. I'm not a Bengals fan, okay? But Zach Taylor is a young offensive mind. Callahan is an offensive mindset. These guys... I think that they are the right guys for a young quarterback. Now, I don't know if it's Burrow or not, and I'm kind of torn on Burrow myself. I think he's a guy that can be, will probably be a long term starter in the league. I just don't know if he's that superstar level. That's not necessarily a negative to him. Talk to me about the coaching staff, and what do you think Burrow can be?
1: Um, yeah, the young coaching staff there at Cincinnati is really going to have to rely on the young quarterback, to be honest with you. I mean, they've got some pieces in place. You know, Cincinnati's a tough place to get free agents to come and play, but now that they've got that centerpiece uh, with Joe Burrow there after tomorrow night, uh, they should be able to, you know, continue kind of along the road. I mean, it doesn't happen year one, right? I mean, when, when Peyton Manning went to Indianapolis uh, at the beginning of his career, it didn't happen year one. It's two, three, four, five, down, you know, those seasons down the road. So, you you've got to put that that central piece in there, that, that, that big time quarterback, he's six four, two fifteen. 15. Now, you know, the thing is they, they're a small market team. They play in a division that loves to play defense, the Steelers, the Ravens, the Browns. I mean, it's a tough, and there's a lot of tough tough defensive battles every week. And there's a lot of bad weather in that division uh, sometimes, especially second half of the season. So he's going to have to throw, you know, through some of the wind and rain and snow and all the bad weather days. But Um, You know, I think he can get it done. Uh, Cincinnati's a tough place to win, but he's going to have to play well enough for them to see the promise uh, and other people see the promise to be able to keep the guys that they have that go into free agency and then also acquire guys into their organization that are free agents. So there's a lot that has to go on there that that people have to see that there is going to be Uh, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah,
2: light at the end of the tunnel is what everyone's looking at. For Tua T, and uh, you have a unique perspective. Obviously, you coached under Nick Saban. Uh, You look at Tua, and everybody points to the injuries, and the injuries are obvious, okay? We could almost push them out of the way. Mm -hmm. If you're taking an injury risk, you're taking an injury risk. What I'm concerned about slightly, and I've been on the Tua bandwagon, is the fact that he potentially will be playing with four number one wide receivers. I mean, there they are four guys that are going to go in the first two rounds of the next two years, or at least the first two <laughs> rounds, right? Dynamic yep. offensive line. Nick Saban, of course, that, that great coach. I hate to use those kind of things against him, but it sits in the back of my head. He had more talent than almost anybody else. Does that play a role here for you?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, same as Burrow last year at LSU. They had such supreme talent. And to it, there was never a time when he went out on the field that he didn't know his team was better than who they were playing. That's not going to be the case in the NFL. Everything starts to even up, right? I mean, there's so many great teams out there, and if he lands with the Dolphins or the Chargers, now the Chargers, I think, are a little bit better offensively because of their receiving group. If if he lands there at number six, if he lands with five with the Dolphins, I mean, he's got his work cut out for him. He really does. He's a gifted athlete. He's got the quick release, quick feet. He's elusive. You know, can he stay healthy? That's that's a big, big question mark, and that's why he's probably not the number one pick overall. I know last year, going into the season, uh, he was the consensus number one pick, and then Burrow outshined him and stayed healthy. But uh, two is a great player. I mean, he put up unbelievable numbers, but a lot of that is uh, having to do. It would have been a lot tougher for him to put those types of numbers. I think he threw eighty-seven touchdowns and eleven picks uh, in his career at Alabama in three years, and he didn't even start in all those ball games. So, I mean, he did that relatively quickly. He put up those types of numbers, but you got to look at their receivers, their tight ends, their backs. I mean, everything offensively You know, was stacked in his favor. So you're right. I mean, it's it's going to be tougher at the next level. You
2: know, two is a guy that I think you have to gamble on if you're Miami. The way that I look at it is, everyone talks about the injuries. You're getting a five year contract out of him. If he's injured for two seasons, misses two full seasons, Josh. Right? The other three Mm -hmm. seasons, he takes you to the playoffs two of the three times. If you're Miami, you have to sign up for that. Am I right? (laughs)
1: I, I, you know, I think so. The one thing that I like about Tua, I like a lot about Tua, but the one thing I really like about Tua is for three years, he spent, he spent a lot of time, you know, working against Saban's defenses in practice and Saban, they got great players on the other side of the ball too. Right. So he, his best competition isn't on Saturdays in the SEC or out of conference or in the playoff games. It's been in those practice sessions where he's had to learn so much because Saban will throw so much at you in practice. And over those years, man, so, so he's accumulated all this experience that some of these other quarterbacks that are coming out in smaller uh, you know, situations in, in terms of program, uh, Alabama's program's unbelievable. They are the, the, the eight 800-pound gorilla, right? So he's practicing against the best players that he can possibly practice against in, in college football. So I think, you know, that's as close as you can get to the NFL, and I think that's going to help.
2: Yeah, you know, you mentioned one of the positives for him is one of the negatives for Justin Herbert, who— If you go back 365 days, he may have been the number one overall pick. A lot of people Mm -hmm. are jumping on him now and saying, you know, he didn't have the competition. Look, the Pac-12 just doesn't have defense, right? And go ask Mike Leach. They just don't have defense. I look at Herbert as the guy (laughs) I believe next year can have the most success. But in five years from now, these other guys can pass him. Is that a fair assessment of Justin Herbert?
1: Well, I think so, too. Maybe Jordan Lowe as well. you got two guys that are 6'4", 6'6", 230, 237. Uh, I mean, they, they're they off the charts physically, uh, ridiculous frames, uh, great throwers, ball comes off easy, fastball's nice, weather wouldn't bother their, you know, the way that they throw the ball. They've got to be able to probably figure out how they kind of fit into the NFL systems and get to learn, like, you know, playing against big-time players every week is very tough in the beginning. I mean, h- h- there's not a guy that, that has come into the league and absolutely taken it by storm their rookie year. Um, You know, I mean, you look at Troy Aikman. I, I mentioned Peyton Manning. I mean, they struggled. I mean, those guys are Hall of Famers. So, I mean, you've got to be able to give these guys a year or two just to get some snaps under their belt. I don't care if you're Burrow or if you're Love or Herbert, they all need snaps. They all need snaps. There's certain certain guys that are going to pick it up faster and are going to make decisions faster and are going to be with maybe a better team or a better organization. So it's all kind of, you're only as good as the people around you at the quarterback position too.
2: We're on the phone with Josh Booty, former NFL Major League Baseball player, LSU quarterback and host of Believe Podcast Networks. Josh, talk to me about Jordan Love. You mentioned him. I have watched Mm -hmm. the film and I, listen, I'm not a scout, okay? But I've watched the film and I don't see it. I don't see what everybody is going crazy about. Look, can you take a shot of him in the second round uh, on a team where he sits for a year, maybe Pittsburgh, New Orleans, uh, 10, Bay, mm-hmm. something like that, sure, I don't see this first-round push that now some people have him getting into the top 15.
1: I, I think he's got some unteachable traits uh, with just arm strength and athleticism, but he needs coaching. And, you know, I, I know actually his quarterback coach that he's grown up with uh, in Orange County in Southern California, Steve Cohen, one of my best friends. He, he can prepare guys, but you still got to be able to practice at a very high level in team-organized activity. And so, Steve works with him one-on-one, and he can, he can make all the throws. He looks good. You know, he's a combine freak. Jamarcus Russell was the same thing, and I'm not comparing him to Jamarcus because <laughs> Jamarcus didn't have a great pro career at all. But, uh, but this kid wants it. You know, he's not lazy. He's lean. He's fast. He's quick. He's got quick, uh, you know, quick twitch mechanics. I mean, some things that you just can't teach. It's just that he's going to have to get in there and really learn how to play that position he's gotta make all he's gonna to have to make accurate throws make good decisions make you know they call it make the layups or make your free throws i mean he's gotta he's gotta do all of that to become a really good quarterback he can't miss fire on little things and i think that's what he, his feet weren't ever uh in the right spots a lot of times when you watch film on him he it didn't kind of mirror what the concept was and different things. So he was kind of out of whack. And uh, maybe that was coaching at the college level and how he was getting coached. But he's got to figure that out and be disciplined.
2: Josh, that's four quarterbacks. The over-unders, is a half for how many go in the first round. I thought maybe a guy like Hertz or Eason could get in. Mm-hmm. I, I like mm-hmm. both. I think they're they're both projects. But I like them, like them both. Now I'm hearing people kind of souring on them a little bit. Do you think either one of these guys sneak into the first round?
1: Uh, I don't. I don't. I think there's so much talent in the first round, especially at wide receiver. And there's some, some great tailbacks in this draft as, as well. There's two or three that I really like. I don't, I don't think a fifth guy jumps up in the first round. I do think Eason, Hurts, and Fromm are second rounders. Um, I like Hurts. I think that he could be a guy that is like a Dak Prescott that could turn it on in a couple of years. He's a strong physical runner. Just mentality is there. He's been at the highest level. He's played in big games. He's a tough competitor. He's hard to bring down. He's just a stud. So I like that. Eason is a little bit more of an inconsistent guy for me. Big arm, uh, you know, 6'6", 230, from is a serviceable guy but those are the three guys that I could say could be in a you know more more or less look at, look at him like in a second round now maybe at the end of the first round someone takes a flyer on Easton cuz he's just such a big strong athlete but I like these guys in the second and third round, maybe.
2: And then last two I want to ask you about, is there a late-round flyer here? I kind of like uh. Gordon from Wazoo. What about Stanley? <laughs> uh, both of them have a, the opportunity in the right spot, right? Don't they have good upside?
1: Yeah, I like them both. I mean, last Stanley scored a 40 on his Wonder and my buddy Tony Raciope has been training him up in New Jersey uh, and, and he said, he the guys a phenomenal guy. He's a big frame guy. He's strong. He's athletic. He can make the throws. So I kind of go off with my buddies a lot of times and if I don't see him personally. But uh, Gordon I like because, I mean, last year Garner Minshew came out of that system and actually started in a lot of games and played well. And 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 Gordon's as talented as Garner Minshew. So I think a guy like Gordon who's had to put the whole game on his shoulders, he's thrown a lot of passes at, at Wazoo. He got a lot of experience just from having to to be in that system. You know, they kind of could translate at the next level if he's in the right situation. But I, but both those guys are later picks.
2: All right, Josh, thank you so much for your time today. Again, it's Josh Booty. Uh, go check him out. Believe Podcast Network. LSU quarterback under Nick Saban. I think you are the guy in the country right now that everybody wants (laughs) to talk about, about quarterbacks. Uh, Josh, it's been really fun. By the way, before I let you go, I have to say congratulations on your nephew. I saw he's going to Liberty.
1: Well, he's not. He got an offer from Liberty. Okay. But so he's, you know, he's got a senior year. He's got to play at Allen, Texas, where Kyler Murray went to high school and and it's going to be fun to watch him, so uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited.
2: Hopefully one day we'll be breaking down him going number one <laughs> overall,
1: right? <laughs> That'd be awesome. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yes, sir. Thank you for having me.
2: Absolutely. We'll talk to you, and enjoy the draft, Josh. Have a good one. Alright, guys, that was Josh Booty, and it is, look, I'm not just uh, saying that. I think it's a unique perspective Somebody somebody. Uh, the number one pick in the draft is Joe Burrow, LSU quarterback. The probable top five pick, the number two quarterback, is Tua, who is a Nick Saban guy, and who else knows those two? Schools, university season coaching better than Josh Booty. So thank you to Josh. As the hours count down to the official NFL draft, we welcome on host of the draft analyst Believe Podcast Network, Chris Tripodi. Chris, welcome to the show.
3: Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be here and always good to, to talk some draft as everything's really starting to heat up now.
2: Oh, it really is, man. I cannot wait. I, look, you could say, <laughs> you know, that you had more anxious drafts maybe if your team was number one or in the top five. But I think collectively, as an NFL community, community and a a sports community, this is the most anticipated draft ever because we're all on pins and needles. We need some kind of sports and, you know, it's not a game, but look, this is real sports. So let me start off with the number one guy, right? Tony Pauline, uh, who you know very well, obviously, Uh, he was on the show last week and he said You know, he's a little cautious about Joe Burrow, because Joe Burrow is a guy that really only did it one time, just once. It was a phenomenal record-breaking once, but he only did it one time. There are people that have kind of just gotten to the point of saying, well, Burrow is going to Cincinnati, so he's not going to have a great career. There are people that are saying, look, you know what, I saw what I needed to see out of him. It doesn't seem like anyone is saying he shouldn't be the number one pick, but I do see levels of interest in him and how good he can be. What's your take on Joe Burrow?
3: Uh, I mean, we'll start coming into the season because, you know, obviously, as you said, I I know Tony very well. I know his uh, doubts here, and we obviously talked about Joe Burrow over the summer, and I, you know, I had him as like a fifth-round, sixth-round type of guy. Um, Obviously, he has proven that evaluation to be completely wrong, Um, you know, just with the season he had and the numbers he put up. And it's not just the numbers, it's not just the records, it's not just the Heisman Trophy, but it's how he did it. Uh, He won big games. If they got off to a slow start for maybe a quarter, uh, he would pick the team up, they would get on a roll, and then it would be game over. Uh, He stepped up in the big moments, which is what you really want to see out of your franchise signal caller. Um, Obviously, yeah, there are some some questions because it was a meteoric rise, and when guys rise like that, I'm sure Tony probably mentioned Baker Mayfield um, to you when he was on the show. Uh, Baker Mayfield had a similar rise; he was kind of a day three guy coming into the season, ends up being the number one overall pick. Uh, I think there is a definite difference between Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield. I like Burrow better as a prospect, um, but whether he should go number one, I think he should. I mean, Cincinnati's there; they need a franchise signal caller, and frankly attack Veloa has an injury history. There are concerns there, and it's something that could possibly even affect his mobility when he gets back on the field. Maybe he's more hesitant to run. Maybe he's not quite the same level of athlete. And just the questions in terms of injury, that makes Joe Burrow my 1A and Tua my 1B. But I can honestly say if Tua were 100% healthy, I very well may have him as the top quarterback in this class.
2: All of a sudden, 365 days has gone by, and Justin Herbert is no longer the number one. I think he might have been number one last year overall. Uh, He seems uh, sort of to have been the forgotten guy for most of this offseason. And then all of a sudden in the last week, I'm hearing that number three pick that the Detroit Lions are clearly dangling may go to Justin Herbert. I've even heard Miami likes Herbert a little bit over Tua. How much do you believe in these rumors? How much do you believe that Justin Herbert might be the guy?
3: I, I would say that the general rule is the closer draft you are when you hear certain rumors, the less likely they are to be true. It becomes lying season around the league for GMs and scouts and just team personnel, anybody. They want to put information out there that is information that is not true. Information so Chris, that people may use to
2: make a different move. So you're not believing that uh, Gettleman and the Giants are really scouting Justin Herbert? <laughs> no, I, I can honestly say that is not something I believe. <laughs>
3: that, <laughs> that has been after, the big rumor in the last after. 24
2: hours. It's ridiculous.
3: I mean, I, I saw that, and even if you like the guy, I mean, you, what you did last year in the draft, pick a quarterback high, and what that quarterback did to you know justify that pick that you took him with, it, it's... It's so hard to think that they would do something like that. They want to trade down, supposedly. It would be the first time that Dave Gettleman has ever done such a thing. But if they do want to trade down, they would float some interest in a player that other teams might be looking to move up for.
2: Some people say, if I'm a betting man, well, I am a betting man, and the Giants have taken an offensive lineman, right? Um, Chris, let's talk about the offensive line. I have made a statement earlier in the week that I believe... As many as five offensive linemen could go in the first 12 picks. I might even say in the first 10 picks. I think this is a very, very overlooked draft for how good and how deep offensive line is. Can you give me some offensive line rundown?
3: I mean, it's, it's definitely, I know there's the consensus top four at the top. And, you know, I'm a New York guy. I'm a Jets fan. So for me, any of those guys at number 11, those top four would be very good picks. Um, you know, I t- know Tony is very big on a guy like Austin Jackson. We've actually had Ezra Cleveland out of Boise state on our show as well. And, and those guys are intriguing. Once that, those top tackles are off the board, there are going to be teams outside of the top 12 picks that need offensive line help. And a guy like Austin Jackson, a guy like Ezra Cleveland, some teams may have them graded as mid second round guys, but it only takes one team who has a pick between say 16 and 22 to have that player very high on their board. If they do, they're going to take him. So I'm not sure about five tackles in the top 12, but six in the first round, maybe even seven total offensive linemen. If a guy like Caesar Ruiz can sneak in to the back, you know, 10 picks or so of the first round, I think we could see almost a quarter of this year's first round picks be offensive line. And It's a little bit bold, but it wouldn't be that shocking, I don't think.
2: Yeah, it, the offensive line position is always one of those up in the air, and people just never never seem to know, right? They, they never really know uh, who's it going to be, and, and you don't know about them because it's hard to gauge them in college, and then all of a sudden, you see these guys. Quentin Nelson is a guy that you could say, hey, look, they should have taken him over Barkley and Mayfield. Is there that one offensive lineman in this draft that you're saying to yourself, you know what, this guy is not a star. He could be a superstar. I mean,
3: the guy with probably the highest upside among the offensive linemen is Tristan worse out of Iowa. I mean, not only did he just smash the combine in terms of not just being head over heels better than a lot of the other prospects this year, but historically, I mean, he was in you know the top couple percentiles in several Of those workouts. I mean, he just had a completely insane workout, but he's also a guy who's extremely strong. He's a people mover in the running game. He's not quite the pure left tackle that Andrew Thomas out of Georgia is. I actually have Andrew Thomas just ahead of Wirfs on my board, but that's strictly because I believe Thomas is an absolute plug and play left tackle. He's going to be a solid, solid starter there for very many years, whereas Tristan Wirfs, I don't 100% know that he's going to be able to handle the left side. He played the right side in college. Obviously, he's a great athlete. The team is probably going to try him there, especially considering the draft capital that they're going to get him. But – the upside for him is massive, and even the floor. I mean, if he has to move to right tackle or even inside to guard, you could probably use him at you know three different spots along the offensive line. And at the very least, he's going to end up being a, a well above average player at one of those spots.
2: Oh, I love that you said. I have Werfs going to the Giants there, and I know that Thomas is the guy. And I think Thomas might be better, but just the Gettleman influence to me, he likes guys that could p- kind of bounce around the uh, the line a little bit. You are a Jets fan, which brings me to the wide receiver position. I know you said offensive line. I think that the Jets and the Raiders, who pick back to back, are both looking for wide receivers. If they can't get that that offensive lineman that they covet the most, guy like CD Lamb, uh, all of a sudden is just jumped up the boards. To me, Jardy is still the guy to have, but I think they could both be successful. And now I'm hearing Ruggins might might be the guy. We had uh, you know a draft analyst tell us he has seven, eight, nine potentially wide receivers going in the first couple of rounds. How good of a wide receiver class is this?
3: I mean, this is a a really good wide receiver class. Obviously, it's been spoken about by lots of people, and and I'm not going to go against the grain there. Um, CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy, as you mentioned, they're, they're the top two, and it's a pretty clear top tier for me on my board, very close. I prefer C.D. Lamb, especially if we're talking for the Jets based on the type of wide receiver they need. Um, but both of these guys, it's hard to go wrong with them, um, you know, just outside the top 10. I mean, Jerry Judy, the way he creates separation in his routes with his speed and just his ability to stop on a dime and get going is, is unbelievable. CeeDee Lamb, you put the ball in his hands and he'll break tackles, he'll take place to the house. He can win in contested situations. Now, these guys are going to be very good receivers at the NFL level. And then you know, you have guys like Justin Jefferson, Denzel Mims, Henry Ruggs, who you mentioned. Um, you know, those are, those are guys that are probably going to go in the first round. You even hear names like maybe Jalen Rager, even a Michael Pittman Jr. There could be so many wide receivers taken in the first two days of this draft. I would be shocked if the number were less than 15 wide receivers in the first 100 picks. And it could get to 17, 18 and just kind of go from there. There's just so much of a depth of talent that the difference between the number seven receiver on some boards and the number 13 or 14 receiver is going to be very minuscule and teams are just going to kind of group these guys into tiers and say, you know, we can take one of these guys, As they fall to us, maybe we can trade back a little bit and collect some picks later on as well.
2: Yeah, I do a little bit of work for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders out in Las Vegas and Fox. It's the same thing with the Jets. I'm like, why would you reach at 11 or 12 when you could go get them, especially the Raiders who have two first-round picks? You could go get them on later on. I don't... Look, I I like Jardy. I like Lamb. I'm just not a wide receiver guy. I mean, I don't think a wide receiver is going to make or break your team. I understand the need there. But do you look at it where... Why would you spend your draft capital that early on a wide receiver? Is the difference between a Jurdy and a Lamb or the guys you mentioned so much different? I really don't think so. There's not an alpha wide
3: receiver in this class. When I say an alpha wide receiver, I mean like a Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins or Michael Thomas. Like I know Hopkins was a late first rounder. Thomas was a second rounder. So they weren't viewed as alphas coming out of college either. But I don't see CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy ever being that dominant number one receiver can they be the best receiver on a football team that has success absolutely can they be that you know dominant guy that you know controls the game shifts coverage their way I don't think they're quite at that level which is why especially if you're looking at it from a Jets perspective but this can also be said for the Raiders as well you might want to look at another position in the Jets case the offensive line because the receiver that you get at the top of round two is still going to be a really, really good player. And it's going to be a better player than you would normally get at that spot because those, t- those players, not every team needs a wide receiver. There's going to be, if there are eight or nine guys that we're talking about having first round buzz, they're all not going to go in the first round. A couple are going to fall into the second round and you snag one of those guys early in the second round and you're in great shape if you paired them with an offensive lineman earlier on. So I'm with you in the sense that Lam and G aren't that, alpha true dominating number one receiver where you take them and issue a deed that you might not be able to fill as well later on in the draft.
2: We are on the phone with Chris Tripoli, host of draft analyst on podcast network, Chris, um, pretty much the last thing I want to ask you about is some trades and, not the rumors of trades, but just will the coronavirus setup up, for lack of a better term, okay, I'll call it that, will that, that hinder some trades? Is it going to be hard for the general manager to talk to the head coach, to talk to the scouting director, to then make a trade, to be on the phone? Do you think we see less trades? Because all we hear about is New England wants to move up, Miami has a ton of picks, the Raiders want to move back, the Falcons want to move up. I mean, it's trade rumor central, and a lot of them make a lot of sense. Do you think, though, that we're going to have less trades because of the technology? Yes. I think it's a very
3: polarizing question. And and I honestly don't know if there will be fewer trades or if there will be more trades because teams haven't been able to go through their normal pre-draft process. So presumably if they're not out at pro days or bringing players in for workouts and, and talking to them and, you know, kind of getting deeper into who they are as players, they're just going to spend that much time, that much more time rather, going back to the film. And if they go back to the film and, and there's a guy that they really love out there, even if they weren't able to do everything they were able to do, maybe they say, you know what, this player is a tier ahead. We need to make a move up the board for him. Something that maybe they wouldn't have done if, you know, things like pro days and workouts were available for them to gather a bit more information. They might go a little bit more on conviction if a team has enough picks to make a move and do something like that. Whereas there might be other teams that they look at the film and they say, okay, these guys are in like a group of seven to eight different players at the same position, we don't know enough about them to really differentiate. So we're just going to let the draft come to us and we're going to move back. I would think we can see a lot of trades. Obviously it takes a buyer wanting to move up and a seller wanting to move down, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of trades, but in terms of the technology and, and everything that they're doing differently to hold the virtual draft. It's kind of like a fantasy draft and you know, the fun in doing a fantasy draft is making trades and, and getting the players you like. It's not quite the same, obviously at the NFL level, but it wouldn't shock me as long as teams are able to manage based on the technology that they have, Um, You know, if we do see some more action early on, just based on conviction plays by certain teams.
2: All right, Chris, last question. Who's going to be the guy in the fantasy draft or NFL draft that says, hold on, pause, pause for a minute? You know that happens in every fantasy draft. I mean, it's got to be Belichick, right? If something happens, he's taking the pause.
3: Well, I I was going to go to somebody who you've already mentioned and and say it's going to be Dave Gettleman.
2: I mean, the guy hasn't traded
3: down (laughs) in his entire career when he's had a war room and hasn't had to, you know, rely on, and technology and things going like that. Now, not only are there rumors, and there usually aren't even rumors around Dave Gettleman wanting to trade down. Usually it's nope, not going to happen. He's not considering trading the pick. When they had number one and they were, or I went sorry, when they had number two the other year, they took Saquon Barkley. There were no rumors about moving down or anything like that. Now you're getting them all over the place. Um, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, the Giants do want to trade down and they're like, wow, we can't, what's going on? Where are we at with this? And, you know, they, they start to kind of scramble at the last minute. Uh, but, yeah, you, you take check and, and I'll go with Gettleman. We'll give it a nice northeast field to, to close this out.
2: <laughs> one doing it because of his sheen uh, insight, and the other one doing it because of pure ineptitude. I love it, Chris. Thank you. Enjoy the draft. I know you will. And uh, we will talk again. That's Chris Tripodi, host of the Draft Analysts on Believe Podcast Network. Chris, thank you for your time.
3: Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure talking ball with you, and, uh, you know, we'll do it again sometime soon.
2: Absolutely. All right, guys. That is Chris Tripodi. and. Thank you again to Josh Booty, who we had on today. Uh, look, we have real sports now. This is it. it. It's not an actual game. I get it. I understand. You know, the game isn't actually going to be played, but it's real sports. It impacts the games, and for us in in where we sit, ladies and gentlemen, this is a situation where you could make some money. And I've been telling you for over a month now, ways to make some money, ways to build your bankroll. We told you earlier my best bets of the day. Go out there, build your bankroll. You don't have to get crazy and bet five-team parlays and ping pong. You have the NFL draft. The NFL draft you can figure out. You can get good numbers on. You could go shop around. Treat this as a regular game. Don't go crazy about it, but absolutely have some fun and make some money. I hope all of your teams get exactly who you guys want. We know it's not going to happen, but I hope so, and I hope everybody goes out there and enjoys the draft, and it gets us away from the world that we're living in right now. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that.
1: This has been a presentation of
0: the Sports Garden Network. To be a part of the show, call one 4 garden That's one 442 7836 Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at
1: SportsGarden.com.